0: I'm pulling up a driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the to drive to work. Okay. And today, I'm going to talk about something that if it didn't exist, I would not be making magic today. So today, I'm going to talk about magic the puzzling. So for those that have no idea what I'm talking about, and some of you probably do, um, back in the day, my claim to fame was I was the puzzle guy. So let me walk through what magic the puzzling was. Uh, and it, how it played into the whole magic scene, if you will. So, um, I've, I've told the story, obviously. So, for those who listen to my podcasts uh, all the time, um, I know I have a habit of telling the same stories, although in my defense, this is like my 300-something podcast, and um, it's there's a lot, of, a lot of time to fill, so I, I try to give new twists on the stories when I repeat them, but yes, I, I do know that there are some... Uh, Some repetition. And today I'll be talking about some stuff that you've heard before, but I'm trying to get some vantage points so you understand the story a little bit different than how you heard before. So uh, I often talk about how I started in magic. So this has to do with today, the magic of the puzzling. So what happened was in the winter of 1994, so magic came out in 1993 in the summer. I got involved in the late summer, uh, and I got really into magic. Really, I mean, really. I was... I was hook-line-sinker. I was very into magic. Um, And at the time, there was so little written about magic. It just was, I I would, whenever I would find anything, you know, I would buy the tiniest of magazines because they'd have a little tiny article on magic. I was just starved for information on magic. So when I heard that they were going to start a magazine, that Wizards was making a magazine called The Duelist, I was really excited. And And I remember when the first one came out, I, in fact, had a date. I had a first date. Like, I wasn't blind date because I knew her. But, I mean, it was a first date. And right before the first date, I had gone to the game store and bought the magazine. And I got to my date early. And I remember sitting in the car reading my magazine. I was early. It wasn't, wasn't time for the date. I, I, have a, um, I have a little thing what I call over-punctual. When I used to do stand-up, I, I had a little joke. So, here's my joke for my stand-up days. Um, so, anyway, I'm uh, what you call over-punctual. Um, for those that understand what that means... Okay, you know how when there's a party, how there's a guy that comes, like, before the party begins, who, like, helps move the furniture and put out the food? Yeah, I let that guy in. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's my uh, little stand-up. See, how often you get my stand routine. routine? Um, okay, so, um, I'm a little over-punctual, and uh, I was there early, and I had the magazine, so I remember, I remember just, like... Going through it and reading it, and I was so excited, like the whole magazine. An enti- I never, I was lucky to have like an article on magic before. This is the entire magazine was dedicated to magic. And so I soaked it up. I read it, I read everything from cover to cover. Um, not all before the date, obviously, but, but after the date, I just put it away at my date. Um, anyway, I, uh, I read that thing from cover to cover multiple times, but it was missing something. It was just, it was a little, I felt like it, it didn't have a lot of content for the slightly more experienced player. It, it was really good for an introductory. You've never played Magic before. But I was like, oh, I want something a little more. And I just felt it was missing something. So what I've been taught is, rather than just bemoan something, you know, be the change you want to see. So I um, went to a convention in Los Angeles, and there was a Wizards of the Coast booth. People from Wizards of the Coast were at the convention, one of which was Steve Bishop. So Steve Bishop, I've talked about Steve Bishop before. Um, he was the head of what, was, at the time, was called Events. It um, would later go on and become Organized Play. Now, at, at the time, Events was a couple people. I think it was Steve and maybe two or three other people. It, it wasn't very big. We weren't doing a lot of stuff. We had, they had just, just started sanctioning. Um, and so it was super early in the days. Uh, I mean, obviously, Organized Play would go on to be a giant Department of Wizards. At the time, it was a little tiny part. Um, but anyway... Uh, Steve Fishman, there might have been other people there. So, early on in in Wizards' uh, career, whatever, life cycle, you know, in Wizards' existence, um, they had a philosophy in the early days of they would just go to every convention. Um, Now, this is when Magic was still, you know, they were still, I don't know, broadening markets. But anyway, the idea was they just went, somebody went to almost every convention. There was a convention, a game convention somewhere in the United States, and often places in Europe and other places, somebody from Wizards was going to be there. Um, In the early days, we did a lot of conventions. In fact, I did a lot of conventions when I once I started working there. Um, So there was—I mean, it wasn't a giant booth or anything—but there was a little booth set up. Steve Bishop was there, and so I went and talked to him. And oh, so here's what happened: is I said, "Okay, the magazine does not have advanced content." Well, what what is advanced content? What what would I want to see? And I came up with the idea. So, in for those that aren't familiar with puzzles, I'm a big puzzle fan. Uh, I've, I've been a puzzle fan since a small boy. Um and there are a lot of uh chess is the most famous example, but there's bridge puzzles and the idea of in game puzzles where it's a game, you have a puzzle and it's like, okay, you know, checkmate in four moves or uh you know, you have a hand, what's the right bid on the hand? Or, you know, the idea where you're sort of mid game and you're solving something. Um and I love the idea. I knew for example, if I was gonna do a puzzle for the duelist, it had to involve magic cards, right? Why why had it have involved magic? Why would they you know, um, and so I love the idea of a puzzle, a mid-game puzzle. What if you had to solve what was going on? Um, and so what I did was I tried to figure out, I mean, my, the original puzzles I made, I think I made um, three puzzles to demo. Um, I think it's three, it was two or three. Um, I made them to demo and... At the time, I did not have the advanced technology. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about how I made the puzzles. But uh, in the early days, I used to um, just write it on a piece of paper. You know, I literally would write it out. Um, in fact, that's why I submitted it, I think. was written out. It might have been on graph paper or something. But um, oh, oh, here's a question people ask me all the time. I'm going to answer it right now. Which is, in my puzzles, land was in front of... Um, the creatures and spells. I have creatures spells in the back and land in the front. What's going on? Uh, the answer is, that is how I played when I first started playing Magic. The person who taught me how to play Magic taught me that's how you set the cards up. Um, and there's no picture in the rulebook that contradicted that, so I believed him. Um, I think his rationale was, it made like a division. So like, my creatures are here, and your creatures are there, and our lands are kind of like the wall in between our creatures. So anyway, if you wonder why, that is why. Um, It also, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's the real reason why. I mean, from a puzzle standpoint, it is nice in that it weighted the things at the top and the bottom. There's some nice puzzle things about it, but the reality is, why did I do that? I did that because that's how I played at the time. Um, Also, for those who want to hear how geeky I was in my early days, uh, when I first started playing Magic, I did this thing where I didn't tap cards... I would use counters and use counters to represent that they were tapped. Um, now, remember back in the early day of Magic, there, w- there weren't as many um, counters on cards. I mean, I had dice to, to, to count as counters on cards. Um, but anyway, and I had a playmat. I had a playmat um, back when not a lot of people had playmats. I actually, um, there's these people who in San Francisco, uh, Calsa Brain Games, I think was their name. And they made this playmat that was really cool that I liked. And uh, I um, remember I got I, know, I got artists to sign. I don't know. I had a cool mat for a while. But uh, it was something that at the time when I had it, it wasn't very familiar to have a playmat. Um, now it's obviously pretty familiar. But at the time, it wasn't. And everyone was like, oh, that's, that's what's it? interesting. What are you doing? Um, so I had my little playmat. I had my little counters. Anyway, uh, with my little land in front of myself. Um, okay, so... Um, I was trying to. I liked the idea of doing a puzzle. I, I like puzzles. And I felt like, oh, it, it required you to solve it, required you to know something, required you to sort of work your way through it. Um, so I made f- three puzzles, I believe. And I. Did I give them to Steve Bishop? No, I think Steve Bishop told me the name. Uh, Catherine Haynes was the editor of the Duelist at the time. Um, and I think I mailed them to Catherine. Uh, and I was really excited, and I mailed them. And a week went by, and I nothing. I hadn't heard from her. But, yeah, you know, busy woman. I, I just sent them. Two weeks went by. I was like, okay, you know, look, I, she's got a lot on her plate. I mean, you know, this is just me suggesting an idea. I, I, you know, three weeks went by. Four weeks went by. I don't know, two months went by. Like, a good chunk of time went by. So I finally decided to call. So um, when I used to call in, there was a woman named Pat who used to be the receptionist. Uh, and I got to know Pat because I called a lot. Um, and every time I, I would chat with Pat for a minute or two, and then Pat would get me whoever I needed to talk to. Um, usually, uh, Charlie, so Charlie Cattino, um one of the things, that we'll, we'll get to it, but one of the things about my puzzles was that it needed some fact-checking. And Charlie was my original fact-checker way back in the day, so I also would call Charlie. Um, anyway, so I, I, I get on the phone. I mean, at this point, I probably didn't know Pat, but I talked to Pat. And then Pat calls Catherine. And I don't I don't know... I mean, I, I, obviously, eventually I would visit the Wizards' offices. It was very... Uh, the Duelist was in their own little section. And Catherine Haynes... Okay, I don't, I don't know with Catherine Haynes. So Catherine Haynes um, had long, uh, kind of, like, very light brown. It's, like, like, not quite blonde, not quite light brown, but in between. Uh, she was very small, smaller than me, uh, for those that know how small I am, and... Um, she used to always go around barefoot. And uh, she uh, had glasses that she usually wore. Not always, but she wore them a lot. And Catherine was just uh, someone full of energy and full of ideas. And she was really nice. And um, I, I was, Catherine and I were friends. I obviously would eventually work with Catherine when I um, started working wizards, because I was a liaison to a duelist. Um, but anyway, uh, I get Catherine on the phone. And first off, I, 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 hi, how you doing? My name is Mark Rosewater. Um, I sent you some puzzles in the mail and it was a puzzle column, you know, and part of me said, maybe she never read it. I mean, I hadn't heard from them forever. Maybe it got lost or, you know, maybe there's a giant pile of ideas people have. They never opened. I, I, I don't know. Um, and so Catherine goes, oh no, no, I remember those. Yeah, we liked them. And I said, oh, okay. Well, are you interested in them? just, oh yeah, yeah, one's the next issue. So they essentially had seen them, liked them, included it, never told me, never called me. Um, And so I had her on the phone I go, oh, well that's great. I go, do you want some more? So it turned out, of the puzzles I turned in, which I think were three, two of them didn't work. (laughs) So this is a sign that the puzzles required a little more nuance. Um, And so what happened was, um, she said she was interested. So my first puzzle went into Duelist a half. So what happened was there was Duelist 1, that's the one I read before my date, and then there's a giant gap for Duelist 2. I mean, like a six-month gap or something. Uh, and what had happened was they'd got the first magazine out, but it turns out there's a lot more behind the scenes. They were having, there were a lot of issues that were going on. In fact, it took forever to get the first issue out. Like, I, it was early in 94. Um, it took forever to get that issue out. And so... Um, they, they hadn't sort of refined the process. So, the duels in the early days was supposed to be um, every other month, six times a year. Um, and because they realized that it was taking time to get out the magazine, they decided to put out a little mini version of it, which ended up being called Duelist uh, One and a Half. Um, and in the back of Duelist One and a Half was the very first Magic the Puzzling. Um, and. Uh, my early puzzles, it wasn't a very complex puzzle, um, and one of the things I try to do, by the way, is I try to make sure to have a mix of puzzles so that I didn't want all the puzzles to be super hard, but I didn't want all the puzzles to be super easy. I, I wanted to have a mix. Um, the other thing by, in general, by the way, I was trying to make sure they were solvable, so I didn't do super hard ones in the magazine. Um, but what happened is they became so popular, um, there, was a, there was a newsletter called the Dualist Convocation Newsletter. The Duels Communication would later become the Duels Communication International, which would become the DCI. That's what DCI stands for. Um, but then they they, they they went KFC with it, and they stopped telling you what it meant. Um, but anyway, uh, I used to make a puzzle for the um, newsletter, and the puzzle in the newsletter was hard. It was like, these are the diehard players. So it was like, I, and I mean like 70-step puzzles. I mean like really interconnected. Okay, so I learned from my first experience that there's a lot of ways. So here's the problems in making a magic puzzle. Um, Number one is that you could have a solution, and there could be a solution other than your solution. Uh, Even worse is when the solution other than your solution is a simpler solution. Like, I actually had a puzzle once where it was an elaborate puzzle, and, like, the solution was, like, cast a card and bolt their face or something you know, like, like it was a super super and I know I did do a puzzle like that once where that was the purpose where it was very elaborate and the answer was supposed to be the simple answer I did do that once but um, there was a puzzle where that wasn't my, my point and a lot of times what would happen well so number one problem is there was an alternate solution uh, sometimes that alternate solution was longer than my solution sometimes it was shorter longer wasn't a big deal and there's a bunch of times I printed a puzzle in the duelist that somebody else would find an alternate solution Um, Oh, so by the way, the way the puzzle used to work, for those who don't know what a duelist is, I would put the puzzle in the duelist, and then the next duelist, I would have the answer for the previous uh, puzzle. Um, I I say puzzle, it eventually become puzzles. Um, What would happen is, I did the first one, and then every issue of the duelist from then on had magic of the puzzling in it. um, And it became very popular. In fact, uh, it eventually became the most popular feature of the magazine. Um, people like the puzzles; they were very, very popular. So I started doing a answer column called Magic Tricks, uh, and what Magic Tricks was was I would walk through the solution step by step, and the idea was um, if you would solve it, just was sort of making sure you did it correctly. Um, but if you didn't, it walked through and explained exactly how it worked. And I, I I would sort of if things were confusing, I'd walk through why things worked a certain way. Um, but also, because I'm a writer. Uh, I decided I wanted some framing narrative to sort of tie it together. So I started telling this soap opera story about me. And it, it was just filled with cliches of, of like soap opera cliches and sci-fi cliches. And it, it was just sort of this me sort of poking fun. And like I had, this is where my evil twin came from. The first time I mentioned my evil twin, I talked about time traveling and about clones and about... All the, a lot of the shenanigans that I talk about today in, in jest um, started back in, in, in uh, Magic Tricks, which is the name of my column, my answer column. Um, and it was always a month later. Uh, so what would happen is people would get it and then there would be talk online because people who um, solved it wanted to know whether they were right or not. Um, so what I started doing was, I online I was very active on the Usenet and stuff and I would say to people, Send me your solution. I'll tell you if it's correct, because this is when I had time. I mean, I, remember at the time when I was doing my puzzles early on, I wasn't working for Wizards. I was freelancing. You know, I was in fact, this is back in my days where I was being a writer. And other than the, you know, the six months I was on Roseanne, most of the time I was doing freelance and I was, you know, I, I had a lot of time, a lot of free time. Um, so I was excited. I liked hearing from players and it was my first sort of interaction. Um, I tended to go on the Usenet and people would, talk about the puzzles, and I would answer. And so that's was my, my early days of you know, being, being a spokesperson, although I was a spokes puzzle person, not, not really a, a magic spokesperson at the time. Um, but it really got me familiar with social media, talking with the, the fans. Uh, it was sort of my proto-version of, of what I do now. Um, but anyway, I... So the puzzle started out with one puzzle, and then... Um, it was really popular. So Catherine said, could we do two puzzles? So I started doing two puzzles. And then it was really popular that we said three puzzles. But I said, oh, I'm going to do a third puzzle. Let me do something that's untraditional. So when I did the third puzzles, I would do um, various magic puzzles that weren't always um, the in-game puzzles. So I always, the way it would work is once I got to three, is I would have an easier puzzle, a harder puzzle, although not as hard as the dual complication puzzles, and then I would have a non, like a a magic puzzle, but that was more about, maybe it was about recognizing, you know, I would do um, eyeball benders with magic art. Can you figure out what art this is from? Or I I would do a logic problem, or I would do other kinds of puzzles with magic, um, and so I would mix it up. So one of the things I came up with is at one point uh, before I came to Wizards, I was a Johnny, I liked experimenting. So, one of the things I came up with is I came up with my own magic format, uh, which I called Mana Maze Solitaire. For those that, uh, so I talked about this in the Duelist, there was an article about this, and then I ended up doing a lot of puzzles with it. What it was was it's a way to play Solitaire with magic cards. Um, And, really, in a nutshell, the idea essentially was. That you would make a deck, and you knew the rules when you made the deck. So you, you would make a deck specifically for this function. The way it worked was, um, you would put mana in your deck. Uh, whenever you had a permanent, if you activated or tapped the permanent, um, you w- it would disappear. Like you would lay out a grid. Uh, uh, there's different size grids, but imagine like eight by eight. I think was a very common grid. We have sixty-four cards. Um, you would lay out a grid. And then the idea was to get rid of all the cards, like in Solitaire. And the way it worked was, spells, w- um, sorry, permanents would disappear whenever you tapped them or activated them. And um, spells, you had a, instant sorceries, you had to cast to get rid of them. Uh, so the idea is, I would put a lot of mana sources and things. And so some of the ways you get rid of cards is they produce mana and they go away. Uh, and then you would use the mana to do spells and, and, and there were things like creatures and stuff in which sometimes you had to use the spell to get rid of it. Oh, if the permanent um, either was you activated or tapped or um, was destroyed, it went away. So part of it was like producing mana and then getting to spells and then finding ways to get rid of different um, permanents. I mean, clearly if the permanent didn't have a way to uh, tap or have some activation, there was no way to get rid of it. Then you had to externally get rid of it um, with other spells. Anyway, I used to make a lot of Man and solitaire puzzles, um, for those that are unaware. Uh, and, and really, if you if you like the idea of solitaire magic, it was a fun variant. It was a fun sol- solitaire variant. It's different. It's very different from a lot of other solitaire. I mean, you are playing magic in the sense that you are casting spells and you're caring about creatures and things, but in a really different context. So um, I think we put the rules online. I think if you look Man and Maze solitaire, I think you can find it. Um... Anyway, it was... I don't know, I was proud of it. I made it way back in the day. So I I used to do a lot of Man and May Solitaire puzzles. That was probably after my in-game puzzles, the most common puzzles I did. Um, But I did a lot of trivia-ish puzzles, a lot of, like, different kinds of puzzles. Um, So then... um, And this is all... This is all happening while I'm still... I haven't started to work for Wizards yet. The puzzles really took off. Um, And in fact, when I flew myself to Gen Con in the summer of '90. 94 or four um, it w- a lot of it was the puzzles had started to take off um, actually maybe my t- it's funny as I think about things um, the puzzles must have taken off pretty quickly I might not have gotten into three puzzles in the summer of 94 but I got up probably to two puzzles pretty quickly um, and when I flew to, um, to Gen Con to talk to Catherine to get to do more with the duelist um, I already was known as the puzzle guy that's kind of like that was my first notoriety in the magic scene. Like, my first sort of little magic celebrity was I was the puzzle guy. Um, in fact, when I introduced myself uh, to, like, sort of hardcore magic players, they go, you're the puzzle guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm the puzzle guy. Um, so anyway, uh, the puzzles become became popular enough um, that at some point in 95, in early 95, Catherine called me up and said, we want to make um, a book. We want to make a Magic the Puzzling book, and I was excited. I'd never made a book, um, but it required me making a hundred puzzles, which was quite the ask. Remember, I was working on a bi-monthly magazine in which I had to make two puzzles, um, and maybe I, I started making the kind of the dual complication puzzle. So maybe I was making three puzzles once a month, once every other month. So I was averaging, you know, one and a half, two puzzles a month, maybe. Um, I forget how often the newsletter was. But anyway, that so I, I had to go to where I had to produce a hundred puzzles in um, a couple months. Um, and so what happened was Charlie was my contact for the book, and then my two my two puzzle uh, they had to get two people to proof my puzzles because so my puzzles are real hard. Um, oh, I didn't really get into. Okay, I'll, I'll get in a second. So, just this as a little side note, the two people that proofed my puzzles were Beth Morrison, that would go on to be one of the rules, the rules manager, and uh, Chris Page, who was one of the designers for the, um, the East Coast designers that did um, Antiquities and Fallen Empires and Ice Age and Alliances. Um, anyway, uh, so one of the things that would happen was um, my puzzles were required... Oh, oh! This is how I met Mike Ryan. So, for those that know my stories, that know that Mike Ryan was the person who I pitched the Weatherlight Saga with, who's become a good friend of mine, um, he actually was my first... Condi- he edited my puzzles. So, Mike was an editor at Wizards, and so what would happen is um, Catherine would make use of editors to do editing on the puzzles. And so, Mike picked my puzzles, my, my puzzles my answer column to edit, because... Dun, 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 I wrote pretty well and wasn't much didn't require much editing like he figured out pretty quickly that I was pretty consistent and like it just didn't require a lot of editing so he chose to do um, my columns and my answer column because it was actually easy work for him I think um, I don't know whether or not it was a freelance gig for him or whether it was part of his job I forget but anyway um, so I met Michael and so I would call Michael up and he would walk through to make sure that like because I would write the originally I would write the puzzles up by hand and then eventually I started using a graphic program to write them out um, and it's funny because I, I, what I used to do is I would make little cards, I'd cut them out and then I would, I would test the puzzles. Um, or sometimes I would write them on a paper and then I would, once again, I would cover them with counters as they got used, used up or destroyed. Um, but anyway, one of the things that happened is that, uh, there were mistakes that would happen and from the longest time... What would happen is, remember, I would make the puzzle, and then there was a month before I had to write the answer column, and so, and remember, I went on the news and had people turn in their answers. So what happened is, I would figure out if there were alternative answers, and then, if I went to go write my um, answer, if I write my my puzzle column, if there was a better answer, I would use the better answer as my official answer. Um, I did that a couple times. Uh, Ah, the. Every once in a while, there was a problem where it was a sup- much simpler answer. That was a problem. Um, but anyway, uh, there was one time when the puzzle actually wasn't solved. My, uh, I remember that my. I always named my opponent. My opponent was Scaff, someone I worked with, Scaff Elias. And Scaff was the one puzzle I made in the duel that didn't work. Um, so anyway, my great shame, the one puzzle that didn't work. Um, so anyway, people always ask how I made the puzzles. So I'll, I'll give you the super secret the secret of making magic puzzles. So the secret was I would start by figuring out a cool thing I wanted people to do. And usually what that meant was it was using a card in a unique way or setting something up or doing something in which you wouldn't normally do something this way. It was something a little different. Um, And then I would start that that is my center of my puzzle. I'd say, okay, I think it's neat that normally card X does effect one, but I'm going to do effect two. I'm going to use it in a way you're not expecting me to use. That's usually how I would start. I would have some sort of neat little trick, uh, and then I would build around it. So let's say I wanted to do something, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, instead of drawing cards, you're decking your opponent, whatever. I mean, that's a very simplistic version, but, um, and I would figure out what it was, and then I would start figuring out how do I build the parameters. Because one of the things about the puzzles that I enjoyed was I wanted you to figure out how best to do it, and so I needed branching paths, meaning. I needed, you to, I needed to give you viable ways of how maybe the solution was. Uh, because if the only solution was the, the correct solution, even if it's obscure, well, then you would just, you'd find it. So what I had to do is I would start from my solution and work backwards. Meaning, okay, I know you have to do this. And then I would start figuring out other possibilities of things people might do, and I'd, I'd branch it. Um, which is another good tip, by the way, that if you ever want to solve a maze, it is, for most cases... Easier to solve a maze from the end of the maze than the beginning of the maze. Because most people who make mazes do the same thing I'm doing with my puzzle, is you work backwards. And so they make it forward. They make it more confusing coming forward because they are able to mislead you. But you go from the back, there's just less options. So anyway, it's easier to solve. so And we need to solve a maze fast. Solve it from the back. Okay, so um, I would take my thing. And then also, often what I would do is as I would sort of build off my thing, I would come up with other clever little things I could do while I'm building off of it so that I can make multiple things. And sometimes I would know, I would, like, I'd give myself threads to pick up on where I'm like, okay, I know that I need this card to do this thing. Oh, but maybe there's a way to use that card earlier to have double use out of it. Um, that was that a common thing of mine. Um, like, I loved allowing you to regrow cards or give you access where you could cast the same card in more than once and do different things with it. Like, one time you'll cast a card, it does this. And another time you'll cast a card, it does that. Um, and so anyway, I, um, when building the puzzles, I want to make sure that uh, there were cool things going on. I would layer things. I would branch it out so there were a couple other options. You had to be careful when you did branching options, though. You had to make sure they, in fact, didn't work. Um, and that's one of the tests I would do, is I would figure out different ways to solve my... and then try to solve it doing that ways. And usually what I would do is I would tweak the numbers so you got really close. Um, because part of making a, a, You know, you want sort of false fronts, as they say, um, is I would give you not quite enough mana to do... Like, here's the option two. And you would do it and like, oh, you're off by a mana or you're off by one thing and I always... Or sometimes what I would do is... Um, I would throw things in the way where like, oh, you wanted to do it, but oh, you forgot about that thing. Now, what would happen is my, my, I had, I had proof testers that would test my puzzles. It was Charlie from the magazine. And then when I did it for the book, it was, um, Beth and, and Chris. Um, and I think Chris later did it from the magazine. Um, what would happen is, so there were two big problems. Problem number one is alternate solution. Uh, and once they pointed it out, I got really good at learning how to sort of patch puzzles using cards. Um, one of the challenges using with my puzzles, though, was I limited myself to some pool of cards. Like, if we were introducing Ice Age, they were all Ice Age cards, and sometimes finding answers with your limited pool of cards could be challenging, although I had tricks and things to, to do. Um, the second kind of mistake was a rules mistake, uh, and this was, your answer doesn't work. You think it does something that it doesn't do. Um, and I had a decent grasp of, of the rules. People seem to think I don't know the rules. I actually I have a pretty, pretty good grasp of the rules. I don't know them perfectly. I'm not a rules manager. Um, but anyway, I would do a lot of shenanigans in my puzzles. And every once in a while, I'd run up against something that didn't actually work. It's one of the reasons that, for example, one of the people checked my puzzles at the time was, uh, was Bethmo, who was a big rules person. Uh, and Charlie was also very good with the rules. Um, so anyway, I um, the way that it used to work is I would make the puzzle. I'd turn it in. I'd get notes on it. And then I would have to fix it. Um, some puzzles, weren't. not every puzzle didn't work. But uh, the chances no ultimate solutions or no rules issues, usually there was something going on that I had to deal with. Um, my simpler puzzles usually weren't problematic. It was my more complex puzzles. Um, but I would get them proofed, and then I would bring them back, and I would make the necessary changes, and then I would... Dress. Um, sometimes the other thing I, I would do, oh, not only did I have to give you the false starts, I also would put some cards in because I had to make it make sense. Uh, that's one of my things is, I, one of my rules is I wanted to make sure that whatever was going on on the table, okay, there's a way it could happen. It didn't have to be likely, but it had to be possible. And so a lot of times I would stick extra cards in just to make sure that, oh, well, that's why that, oh, that's why that, like, there always was a reason why whatever craziness was going on could have happened in theory. Um, a lot of times the could have were crazy things had to happen, but it's, it, I always wanted to make sure it was possible. It could happen. Um, and a lot of times in my description, I would set up kind of how you got where you got. So that I would explain a little bit, you know, well, you're in a weird situation. This is happening. You know, um, usually my goal in the puzzles, by the way, was to win. That's the most common, like, okay, win, the, win this turn. That was the most common thing. Every once in a while, I would do win over multiple turns. So, oh, it required something. So, I understood what my, what my opponent was going to draw. So, it, it was open-ended, an open-ended puzzle. Um, and, and I did other kinds of puzzles, too. Sometimes, like, how much damage can you do? What's the most... What's, like, one of my puzzles was, what's the largest amount of damage you can do with this fireball? Oh, that was a fun puzzle. And, and it was one of those things where, like... People were like, I got 722. Is that the correct answer? I'm like, no. The correct answer was 54,386. Know, it was like some... Anyway, I had fun with that one. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I did the book, although the book ended up, we ended up breaking the book into two halves, uh, and then we, didn't, we never made the second book. So the book actually has 50 puzzles. So if you ever want to find it, I mean, it's long since discontinued, but I'm sure you can find it on eBay or something if you look. Um, it's called Magic the Puzzling by me. Um, the biggest problem with the old puzzles in the book is the rules kept changing in magic, and not all my puzzles I can guarantee work under the current rule system. In fact, one of the... Th- I mean, I, I, I was the reason we got rid of Manenberg. I was the big person pushing. I mean, other people agree with me. Um, the saddest it ever made me was one of my favorite puzzles I ever made was in... I think it was in my book. might have been in a magazine. And the puzzle was you had like three... You had three um, lightning bolts and they had three counter spells and you had... They had just enough mana to cast their three, um, like I think they had six islands and three counterspells, and you had three lightning bolts, um, and then you had a mana flare, and the puzzle basically was kill them, and you're like, I have, I have three lightning bolts and they have three counterspells, this you know how how much like my only sources of damage are they haven't an answered each of my sources of damage. And the answer was using Mana Flare, may, maybe a two Mana Flares. Um, the idea essentially was that, um, right, you had two Mana Flares. Because what you did is you made each island tap for three Mana rather than two Mana. And what you would do is you set it up um, using, I mean, even though you didn't have creatures to attack, using different periods of the turn to make the Mana Burn. And so what would happen is you would Lightning Bolt them they, uh, you put out the mana flares so that they had a tap for three mana. You would lighting bolt them, forcing them to counter it. Otherwise, they die. Oh, they were exactly they were exactly at three life. You had three lightning bolts. They're exactly at three life. They had three counter spells, and then they would have to counter. Otherwise, they lose the game. But then they would mana burn, and you were able to do that three times. So they lost the game to mana burn. Um, and that puzzle doesn't work anymore because there's no more mana burn. But that that was one of my favorite sort of just elegant little. I mean, it, it was it wasn't a super hard puzzle. It, it, I didn't do a lot of branching paths. It was a lot like, how do I even do this? That was the kind of puzzle. Um, But anyway, uh, the puzzle, like I said, I I think that a lot of my getting in good with Catherine was the fact that puzzles were really successful and that when I went to talk to her, I had a lot of equity as being the puzzle guy, which I I, I definitely think, I don't know, helped a little bit. Um, And... The puzzles also is through the puzzles. I, I first met Richard Garfield. He was a big fan of the puzzles. He loves puzzles in general. Obviously, he loves magic. So, he was, he really liked the puzzles. So, when I first met Richard, like, I wasn't just some stranger. I was like, I was the puzzle guy. And he was, you know, oh, you're the puzzle guy. You know, and um, it, it did a lot to open doors for me. It's how I met Charlie Catino, obviously, how I met Mike Ryan. Um, a lot of people that were going, I've become very good friends with. Like, I met through the puzzles. And it really was this interesting intro into sort of uh, wizards and the world of magic, um, but anyway, I, I haven't made. It's funny people ask me about puzzles all the time. Can I make more puzzles? I made one or two puzzles when back when um, uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers made puzzles. I made a few there. Uh, people always ask from time to time to make a new puzzle. The real problem is they take a long time to make. Um, probably if I, I you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm a little rusty on puzzle making, but I'm sure it'll come back to me. I did make a. Uh, I did make hundreds of puzzles, um, but uh, it is, it was fun. It was, it was definitely a neat part of my experience, and I, I like that there's a little time in my life I was the puzzle guy. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy my little jaunt through early magic, a very tiny niche of magic, a little niche of my past, but, uh, and that, my friends, is all probably more than you want to know about magic the puzzling. So anyway, I'm in my parking space, so we all know what that means. Instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Thanks for listening today, guys.